And if you have your Bibles and want to turn there, we're in Exodus, so head on over. We're in the starting to get to the end of Exodus, which is amazing. We're finishing this sort of main talk about the tabernacle today. And I want to say this. <laughs> Precious church, you are a city on a hill. You're a light that cannot be hidden. Isn't that true? Isn't that the Bible? Isn't that what God says? At the very same time, there's this sign on the back. We're more broken than we even understand. More love than we can comprehend. And and I wonder if there's not a piece for you and me where we actually start to realize that the way in which we're a light is the message of the gospel. Can you say it cleanly? Do you know it's about absolution and the forgiveness of sin? Uh, I'd say, well, I get that, Dax. I live like that. That, That's what I believe. I come to church. But you know what? Almost everything we do in some way fights against that. And and we buy into it over and over. Let me give you an example. And where we're headed today is in the area of how we think about work, labor, you know. My heroes are successful people. They're people that attain, they, they, and I, if I ask them, hey, what's the secret? Kind of what, how, how, do you, how did you get to be so successful? And what, what wisdom, whatever. Almost always they'll mention somewhere in there, I work hard. Work hard. You get up early, you stay late. Er, was it, uh, early to bed, early rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. There's just there's the things you say that, yeah, yeah. And they say, oh, both, that's true, Right? Even the way that I think about, it's a little bit different for many people in the world, in some sense. When I was in Africa, you know, if people are laboring, they're laboring so that they have enough to eat. That's not usually true in our circles. Like you can find meals all over Bellingham if you need it. But you want to work in order that you have choices of what you're going to eat where you're going to live, what you're going to wear, all those things, right? You start to have this, this peace. We're part of a larger system. We work for personal choices. I want things, and I think, well, what makes me successful in, in other people is not in America so much what you do, like do you, do you dig ditches or do you drive a truck or do you run a business? It's how much, how much honor do you get? Maybe it's not even money, but a lot of times for guys especially, but across generation, across gender, what, and now it, a lot of times it is money. How much do you make? That's a sense of your value. You have more choices. You, you get more things. It's a marker for, for what I am. Or if it's not money and say you're at home and taking care of kids, then it's the gratitude of those kids. It's something's marked in there where I want people to recognize my hard work. I value it. I want that. The church is like that too. We evaluate work. We, we counsel hard work. Uh, uh, you know, it's the first question. If you're not succeeding at something, you say, have you really put your effort in to try and get over that thing? <laughs> I was counseling somebody a long time ago, but marriage was falling apart. And turns out the guy was spending $1,500 a month on Starbucks. I was like, what are you doing? Stop that right away. Somebody out there is convicted. <laughs> oh, at least get a machine that will make it for you at home. 
something, right? But that's kind of we start thinking, well, the, the, the effort, the, the wisdom, I, I want, I slip into this with God. You know, God wants things for me, and I'll do them so that I get the things that I, I, I think I, I want. Well, I'll just say want, need. I, I'll put the effort in if I know it's going to get the success that I want, the things that I want to see happen. I get blessed. I get what I need. God wants me to love other people and to love him, so I'll do it. I'll, I'll do the things. I'll come to church every week. I'll do the things that need to happen. If I, if I think God then is on my side and for me, because my value, it, the value system I've soaked up in this world that I live in, because this is how it works, is if I put the effort in, I'll get, get return. There's I've, uh, Christian books. I've used them in the past. Uh, uh, one's called The Treasure Principle, and it goes along those kind of lines. Like, give now, God will shake it up and pour it back over your life, you know. All of our hopes at the end of the day, often, truly, if, if you really get down to brass tacks, end up in yourself. Are you efficient in working for God? Are you perseverant in working for God? Are you giving more to God? If you'll bless you more, this sort of thinking, it's all over. Not just a material blessing and spiritual. God wants or expects you, what's the big one? To be holy. I can't do anything for my justification. But God in me, in my holiness, in my progressively improving, that's something where I'm working at. And the first question, if you're not advancing in holiness, is are, are, are you working at it enough? Let's give you a little accountability. What's the accountability for? So you'll do it. I got things you got to do. It's called labor. You labor for this thing you want. That's the principle of the world. It works. <laughs> Even that's kind of a pun, huh? This work system works. So I, I, this idea, right, that I'm trying to show that it's kind of all the same mindset. And mindset is God responds to me, that, that there's, there's a fruit of what I do, the fruit of my labor. That there's, um, if I love enough, then I, it's reasonable to expect a response. God's expectation of me is work, proved commitment, actions that I do. So I want to explore that for a few minutes. I've taken a few minutes for you to in Exodus because we're at the end of this piece where God himself is going to dwell with his people and he wants them to make some things. It's surprising how he does things. In fact, this is called God's way, part two, and it's, it's an upside down roller coaster because it doesn't seem like this is the way that things should go. If you really think about it, our problem with the Bible too much, we just kind of read it and go on. We don't actually think about what it's telling us, what it's saying. And it's saying something important. So I want to ask a couple of questions and answer them. The first is kind of what and how will you accomplish anything for God? How are you going to, in your life, accomplish something for God? I, I hope you're like me and you want to. I don't want to do nothing. Man, I want God to... Dax, way to go, kid. You did it. And, and, the, and the second thing is, is why is rest then so incredibly important in your life? Those two things I want to hit, and I think they're related, and they're super important for what you think you're actually doing. So, so let's do, we're at the end of this first tabernacle narrative. It, it is, if you go through it carefully, and you can do this on your own, we won't take the time, but it's seven statements from God to Moses. And we're covering the sixth and the seventh. It shouldn't be any surprise that the seventh is about rest. But the sixth is about work. 
really interesting as they get this going. So, so let's take a look. Our first is going to be that we have different tasks and what that means. So chapter 31 is where we are, and we'll look at verse 1. Yahweh said to Moses, that's the marker for a new statement that God makes to him. He's collecting all these things. He's going to come on down with the tablets in just a few uh, verses. Yahweh said to Moses, see, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God, with ability and intelligence and knowledge and all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and carving wood, to work in every craft. This is really strong language. I don't know if you notice that as he starts. Okay, okay. I have, what did he say? Called by name. Somebody. Interesting. I want you to think about this with me, but think about two things for a minute. One is this. It's not a call for resumes. God doesn't say to Moses, Moses, go find somebody who can do some stuff. Right? Go, go, go collect all the craftsmen together and take a look at their work. Very interesting, right? I, we talk about Isaiah a lot, people do, or, or God says, man, who will I send? And Isaiah says, send me. And, and, and so God sends Isaiah. And so we take that as this sort of model of this is how God works. He's looking for someone who's willing. And if you're willing, he'll send you and you'll do stuff. This is not that, right? I mean, special event. But God calls somebody by name. Hey, this guy, you're using him. Interesting. Okay, and then think about this. He wasn't the only craftsman in Israel. It wasn't the case of call this man because he is the superlative craftsman among the craft. There's no mention of how good he is. No, we, I, I know. I listen to people and say, wow, that person's a great musician. We need to use them more. But, but, but God does this. He says, there's all these, say you're another craftsman in Israel. Say your name is George. George, the Israelite craftsman. And then God comes and says, what I really want is Bezalel. God, we're naming him. He's going to do it. Well, am I chopped liver? What, what do I think about that? I mean, that's the main thing, right? There's, say, say there's a million people in Israel. God just chose one. What about the other 999,999? Should they just feel, well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> if they dedicate themselves to craftsmanship, and they make themselves work at it, then maybe God will choose them. That would be stupid. That wouldn't be very good. <laughs> okay, but, but God is amazing. God says, okay, uh, God says, I'm calling this Bezalel by name. I'm filling him and giving him intelligence and knowledge and responsibility and, 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 and this particular person, strong, specific. I call him by name. And, and this filling with the Spirit of God say, well, this is very unusual. Okay, but I'll tell you what, God wanted something done. What did he do? He filled somebody with his spirit to do it. I like that. And the spirit's not something like wooey, like all of a sudden he's emotional. No, it's the spirit of wisdom, right? Intelligence, ability. <laughs> I want that. Knowledge and all craftsmanship, I tell you what, you guys can come to my house or we can sit down sometime. You should have me draw something for you. You won't want to keep it. <laughs> no. 
I wish I had an ounce of artistic ability in me and I don't have it. So I think, well, oh man, if God would fill me with this, I would love to be able to design amazing stuff. And, and, and no, he didn't choose me. Obviously, I'm not even in this era. I'm talking about working for God. And I just, I just want to point out that this piece that he's going after is not work harder and God will choose you. There's, there's nothing about that here. Like if I work harder, God will notice my effort, my personal desire. And see how wrong that is? It's not about your desire. It's all about him, that we trust God and he's doing something that's really important that we're actually a part of because he loves us and he puts us in his family and he's doing the right things at the right times. And, and, and I, I don't like to think, I want to think about what am I doing? <laughs> that this is important to think through. It only works in our own hearts to say, oh, I get this, is if we trust that God is for us and that we're part of something so amazing, we're all just watching to see what this supernatural God's going to do. You're taken care of and loved and not valued for your work, whatever that work is, but valued because he loves you. I, I almost, I mean, it's almost a, I'm not understandable because everything I do is about me getting honor, me being reckoned, me, me at least, even my own mind, you know, doing something for someone because I, I want to, oh, look, I did something cool. He keeps going. Let's look at the rest. And behold, I have appointed with him Aholiab, the son of Ahissamach, the tribe of Dan, and I have given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. He goes on and says what? The tent of meeting and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that's on it and the furnishings of the tent and, and the table and its utensils and the pure lampstand with all its utensils and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with its utensils and the basin and the stand and the finely worked garments and the holy garments for Aaron the priest and the garments of his sons for their service as priests and the anointing oil, the fragrant incense for the holy place. According to all that I've commanded you, they shall do. Okay, see, God wants something done. It's all for him. And what did he say there? They're really interesting. I gave all men ability. So it's not just this special, God will choose a special man to do it. It's like, no, I'm choosing all, all people there, all the craftsmen, all the different people to make things. The idea is humanity. It's not like men, not women or something. Right, to do. But it won't be. Will it? George's table and utensils. Kathy's lampstand. Erica's awesome sewing uh, holy garments. It's just about what God has made happen. In fact, the, at the end of the day, it's almost like I've given ability and, and, and there's desire to do the things God wants, of course. And so anybody that can jump in and do, wow, God is giving the ability to do it. It's not I'll do it better. None of it is meritorious authorship and work. Every single one of these people, by the way, every single one of them, think about this for a minute, and I, again, it's not our necessary cultural situation, but the reality for the Israelites is every single day, they get up in the morning and they get what? Food. Are they working for the food? No. Okay, already I don't understand. I work so I can eat. 
But the reality is God has this peace where he's taking care of them directly every day. And so this things that they're doing are things to say, hey, I'm your God and I, and I want to. I want to do things, but I'm not tied up in who's doing more and who's doing less. And, and God's giving the ability, period. In fact, if you think through these six speeches, one of the interesting things, and you can see different commentaries go through it, there's six speeches, right? That, that, and, and the whole idea is, is about the tabernacle and creating this incredible little piece of Eden. What's that? Well, then six speeches. Genesis has six days of creation. And when was the third Wait, it's the sixth. The sixth speech, what we're in right now, is when who was made? People. Mankind. So here's God saying to mankind, I'm giving you the ability to do the things I want you to do as a unit right here. And you guys get them done. I'm the one in the center. It reflects basically the whole creative order of God that in, you know, on the sixth day he, he made mankind and he gave them dominion and he said do things. But it's not about you working to make sure that you stay on my good side. It's not about working so you can rise up among all the people of humanity. It's not about those things. It's not about even you having a sense of your successful life. Oh man, may it never be and yet it is every time. It's about God creating God giving abilities and directions for what they're to do. It's not about them. It's about him. It's going to be a big retraining for us. We want to work in order to get paid so that we can do what we want to do. Really, that's the end, right? Really, most of the time, most of the time what I'm doing is, is, is if I'm going to take a job, it's because I use it in our normal context. I take a job so that I get paid something so I can use what I get paid to do what I actually want to do. I really want to buy a new car. I go to work, I get the money for the car, I go, oh, I go, oh, I'm so excited about, I'm not excited about the work. The work was the means so I could do what I really want. But what is it when it is about the desire that you really want? Right, that I, I, I'm doing things because I really want to do them. You know, this, this ought to be in the church. We are gods. He creates what he wants, including the abilities and the desires for people to give and work and help and be. And we get impatience because we want, we want to speak for God about what he wants to create and make happen. But he's the one who actually makes happen what he wants right now today. Things are going as he wants. You're not stopping him. It's super reassuring that God's at work to create and do even now those things he desires to be done. And we do them, I promise, because we can't not. Just like the tabernacle. You might say, well, that's fine for the tabernacle, Dax, but this is a special case. We know that God saves us and we trust in Jesus, but we still work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That's in Philippians. And what that has to mean is that we work hard for God is that that's what he honors by making us better. What he needs from us is improving effort, increasing holiness by our sweat and our tears and our sacrifice, us and God. I don't know if you've heard that, but maybe you've thought it. So I want to look, look at this particular activity God wanted of his people really important for God. In fact, maybe the most important commandment in some sense, he keeps talking about it. 
to the Israelites. One activity. It's the final word, and it's in verse 12. And Yahweh said to Moses, and here's what he said. You are to speak to the people of Israel. Moses, you've got to say this to them. Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations. Okay, so far I'm with him totally. Because I say, yes, I know the Sabbath, right? It's like the fourth commandment. It's like this really important thing. You've got to make sure that you keep the Sabbath. They need to keep the Sabbath. And what you mean that means is you will not work. You'll stay at home. You'll read your Bible, Torah, whatever. You will make sure you are totally, solemnly focused on what God has done for you. It's not exactly it, you guys. Look what he actually says. You're speaking to people. You say, above all, you should keep my Sabbath. This is really important because this is the sign between me and you through your generations. This is for Israel. It's not necessarily for us. But, but I'll tell you what. This is interesting that you may know. This is why. That you may know that I, Yahweh, sanctify you. This is important. If you take nothing else away, please hear this. The Sabbath was not so you could get working on your holiness. The Sabbath was stopping working and resting in imaging and understanding and getting into your heart that your activities and work do not sanctify you. Yahweh does. Whoa! I mean, I gotta say whoa and try and wake up because this is huge. This is like earth-shattering, paradigm-shattering stuff because I'm telling you, I think intimately that the things that I do are what makes me holy or not holy. And here's God saying, no, what, what you need to do, here's an activity. You're gonna do this. This is work for you. I want you to take that Sabbath and do nothing. Rest. Do nothing that's gonna meritoriously do anything for you because you need to realize it is me who makes you holy. That's it, Right? Your work does not make you holy. It doesn't set you apart. It doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you closer to me. It doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't prompt my blessing. It doesn't do any of that. I'm the one who sanctifies you. You don't do it. I do. So this is the command for the people then. Keep the Sabbath. It's holy. Rest for a day. And God says, I am deadly serious. Like literally he says that. Why, 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 what? Yeah, keep going just and we'll be done. It says, you shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. You don't take a break and rest. Death's coming. Your soul cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to Yahweh. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. And therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. Wow. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel, that in six days Yahweh made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Huge, huge, huge. Keep the Sabbath. Keep the Sabbath. Why? What's the reason? Well, to be devoted to God. No. Keep the Sabbath. What's the reason? To study the word of God. No. 
What's the reason? To, to, to go to church and worship. No. That's not his reason. I'm just telling you his reason. You can have that reason. It's not bad. Are you kidding? It's fantastic. Come to church every Sunday. It is fabulous for you. You get reminded of the gospel and you take communion. It's fabulous. But, but that's not resting. The thing you have to do is not work. Again, Old Testament command. It's about the the Ten Commandments. It's about how God set up this peace. And the most important peace to God as he keeps hitting his people is make sure you realize I'm the one that does it all. It's 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 not about whether you you have a job on Sunday and you do some work. Not today it's not. It's about this understanding that God was pushing at them that they didn't understand. They couldn't understand because they didn't have the knowledge of it. This is new to them that, that, that I'm the one in every way, the only one who sets you apart, who makes you holy. You are mine. How, how do you show that more than anything else? You actually rest. You, you can have the all the other days, right? Six days you're buying and selling and making and laboring. You won't get away from the social interactions of merit that that brings. Why? Because some people do it better than others. Hard workers make more and they have more to sell. Smart workers get more yield. Savvy investors make more than the stupid ones. Well, usually... Right, see how many camels you can get for your donkeys. Find someone who's desperate to sell, and you can buy low and sell high, and you can make more. And if you're really good at that, wow, look at me, I've got lots of stuff. Why? Because I'm good at something. Man, children that rise up and call me blessed, because I'm awesome at parenting. My, 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 my spouse cuts up and says, what an amazing husband I am, because I work at it. I get up early to serve my wife. Yes, I will bask in the glory. Oh, God did it all, sure. But I will bask in the glory of that. What does God say? All well and good. You can work hard. You can do all this. But you take this day and you realize, I am your only sanctifier. All of those things are fabulous things. You should be an awesome spouse and a fantastic parent and an excellent worker. And you can get up early and you can work late and you have the desire to excel. But the real message is that I'm the only one who does this for you. I do it for the lazy and for the hardworking. I do it for the one who has nothing and the one that has billions. I do it for the one whose kids have run away and whose kids are in the home crying how blessed their parents are. I am the God who sanctifies you. How do you say it? For Israel, you take a day. You take a day and you don't do any work. And so we're we're left there, right? This seventh day, stop, rest, breathe in this incredible creation I've made. See the tabernacle where I I dwell. So it's not about the efforts of Bezalel or or Holiab or, or you. It's about Yahweh. Me, says God. My spirit, my intelligence, my ability, my creativity that I have placed in you. That's why you're excelling, you know. And, And even that, your work, is because I'm gracious to you and giving you all the circumstances by which you go. Particularly, God says, 
I am your holiness. Says it to Israel there. And we're left there, these final words of God echoing in our ears as they would be in Moses. With Moses is in the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. He's hearing that, right? He's, he's hearing, make sure you always remember to rest. Remember to emphasize, to make a continual image that I sanctify you. And so there's God. And he gives, God gives to Moses. This is the last verse of, of chapter 31. He gives to Moses when he'd finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. So many activities. None make you holy. Working for God doesn't do it. Holiness is a gift of God, a work by him. And they were to remember that forever by taking a break. And by the way, right? By the way, we don't have time really to go into it today. They utterly failed. They will be given a land by God. They will be blessed by God. And they refuse to keep the Sabbaths. And so eventually God says, it's because they didn't keep the Sabbaths that God says you got to leave the land so the land can have its Sabbaths. You refuse it, you know. This is the thing we refuse. We refuse to accept and receive that everything is God's and, and, and he makes us holy. We have to have a hand in it. And so this is our trouble. Just like them, they failed eager for personal gain and daily living in the land and get its Sabbath, and God said, oh, you're done. We are not different. Oh, we're not Israel. We don't have this commandment on us in the same way. You are not required on pain of death to not do any work on a Sunday or on a Saturday. But you do realize, right, that the entire message that we stand on is sanctification by the Spirit. Is absolution in the forgiveness of sin. Nothing that we do. Not, not by ourselves. You wouldn't know it to listen to Christian sermons or to radio over and over, pushing and calling and exhorting to complete the law, to love God and love people, which is great, but it so often focuses on getting it done. Like that's, that's, that's your task. You're pushing you to evaluate yourself and the efforts on parenting and marriage and work and church to exhort church attendance and Bible reading plans and community service. It's fabulous, fabulous, except it misses the underlying problem. What's that? You know, right? We think we're getting more holy, more pleasing, more acceptable, more gods by doing these things. And the whole message, the entire message is on something else, which is I am God and I make you holy. Me, not you. Right? That, that, that's the thing. We forget God is the one who sanctifies. He's done it by his son. He's done it with his blood for you. And your laziness, your lack of desire, your sin, your failing, it is what? Forgiven. Forgiven. Our main activity, our main move, the move you can make with people is to receive, to confess that we cannot, we have not, we do not, and receive the gift of salvation. This is the gospel, Jesus Christ for you. And so, so how, how might we signal that? We might signal it by what? By rest. I hate it. I am not a rester. Even when I'm resting, I'm doing something. 
I want individual accolades. I want to accomplish, even, even if I'm saying, well, I'm going to rest and play a game. I want to win the game. I'm going to make the strategy move so I can get a little accolades for at least resting. <laughs> I, I, but, but, but this reality is something else. Hebrew speaks to us, and, and, and along the lines with this piece, it says so, and we read it this morning, right? So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever what has entered God's rest so we have in Christ, has rested from his works as God rested from his. Resting from the works means I'm not considering them works. Meritorious. Something I get from. This is the center of the Christian life, what obedience actually is, resting from your works, because that it keeps going in verse 11, right? This is obedience. Therefore strive to enter that rest so no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. What's the disobedience? Missing the Sabbaths. What's the Sabbaths? I'm not receiving that God sanctifies me instead of me. Big deal. The word of God that's sharper than any sword reveals that if you rested from your works or if you're still thinking, no, God knows, the spirit knows. If you're still thinking really inside, that's your ticket. Obedience of resting from your works. Trust is trust that he has sanctified. He has made holy. He is active and working now to use us as he wants to, right? It's not just some sort of pie in the sky. Yeah, I know he makes me holy in some sort of like, I don't know, definitive sense that no one ever sees and and that's okay. But really practically, I got to work on being better. No, no, no. The, the, The betterness is this message, this proclamation that's going out that he's done it all. He uses us however he wants. He'll put desires in you like he did with Bezalel, like he did with the people and say, hey, I've given you ability and desire and you're gonna do some things for God. Maybe in stuff that surprises you that's, that's over here that you wouldn't even have thought of, but suddenly this opportunity comes up where you get to proclaim absolution. Tell people about forgiveness. Use your own broken life to do it. It's absolutely fabulous. And It's true. I mean, look at this. By that will, by the will of God, we have been sanctified. He's done it. How? Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It is finished is the cry. Sanctified. Or this, here's 1 Corinthians. Because of him, because of Jesus who died, you're in Christ Jesus, our union, right? Who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption it goes on but we'll stop there so so our questions let me finish by answering the question first what and how will you accomplish for god and here's the answer he will provide ability and desire to create what he wants he will use you his spirit for you this is a god who loves you i believe he wants a community connected through trust in absolution through trust in forgiveness through the gospel that's what we are he's doing it it takes trust and this is our work to proclaim the incredible gift of forgiveness not restitution not merit you're holy because you have this and the things you touch. Isn't this amazing? Because the tabernacle, this is what happened. They, the holy things, the things they touched, what happened to them? They became holy. So you go with this incredible message of the gospel. You proclaim it. People who will receive it, who will touch it, what do they get? They get holy too. Because the truth is Jesus has paid it all. 
Second, why is rest so important in your life? Because that's the gospel task, right? This is the actual starting to live your life in light of what the truth of what God does for you is. And, and, and there's a variety of ways you could take that, but we take it the way God did. Because what fights against the gospel is your flesh. The marker of the flesh is working for itself. Evaluation and bookkeeping and accounting and seeing how much you have produced for God instead of trusting God for you. He is the one who makes you holy and he who makes you holy says you're holy. Guess what? You are! But I sin a lot, Dex. Yeah, I know. It's terrible. Don't. It's bad for you and it's crummy. But guess what? It's paid for. It doesn't make you less holy if you're God's. Your only hope is that he does that, not you. And not making your neighbor work for it either. Man, we're terrible. Like, I get Jesus, Jesus, Jesus for me, and I'll excuse every single one of my faults. But my neighbor, dude, they stub their toe. I'm all over it. Why didn't they pick their foot up higher? The amazement of the gospel is this love that comes from knowing that we have been loved, that we have been made in the image of Christ, by being united to Christ in his work, not ours. And everything becomes about our proclamation. It is finished. You are absolved by God, not by me, by the work of Jesus on the cross. This is our life forever. We see it here, even in the Old Testament. God to Israel that we're done with. We don't have to keep that Sabbath law like it was, but I'll tell you the principle echoes forward, doesn't it? To this reality that our holiness is totally grounded in what God does for us. Receive it, precious people. It's true. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for what you do and have done and proclaim to us in your Bible, your word. Thank you for these words to Moses that we get to think about and how they point forward, all of them, to our Savior. What an amazing gift Jesus is to us and we proclaim it with our mouths, we believe it with our heart that it's finished, that he did it. Our hope is in your Son, Father. May that be true, not just of our mouths, but of our hearts and of our lives. And Lord, help us to rest in the wonder of you for us. In your precious name. Amen.